Welcome back to Cause Talk Radio by Rashpixel.fm. I'm your host, Megan Strand with Engage for Good. You can find full show notes and additional resources for today's episode at engageforgood.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash cause talk radio. There's over 180,000 titles for you to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash cause talk radio and get your free audiobook today. In this episode of Cause Talk Radio, I talk to Ria Wong, who's a nonprofit consultant and runs the podcast, The Nonprofit Lowdown, which is tailored to small to medium sized nonprofits. Ria and I chat about her work with nonprofit organizations, her observations about corporate partnerships and how they've evolved, and whether smaller nonprofits should even entertain the potential of partnering with companies. Well, hey, Ria, thanks so much for being on Cause Talk Radio today. Thanks so much for having me, Megan. It's such a pleasure. So let's start out and talk a little bit about you and your work with nonprofit organizations. I understand you have a deep background with nonprofit organizations and maybe a particular type of nonprofit organizations. And uh, now you've set out a shingle of your own. Let's talk about that. Yeah, definitely. So I have been in the nonprofit space my entire career. Um, I started actually, funny enough, I started a nonprofit uh, magazine. And then that was like, the early 2000s. And I was like, oh, yeah, I think this like print uh, media thing might be going the way of the dinosaurs. It's <laughs> all the writing on the wall there. Uh, so then I jumped over to education. I worked at the headquarters of a national educational nonprofit for a couple of years. And then I call myself the accidental ED. I was an executive director in New York for 12 and a half years um, and you know, grew the organization um, and then about two years ago, I set out on my own to consult with small to medium nonprofits. So largely my clients are in the one to five million dollar range. We get a lot of flack on this on this podcast and just at engage, engage for Good in general that we talk so much about these giant budget organizations that have, you know, a huge corporate, you know, cause marketing team or maybe corporate development mm-hmm. team of mm-hmm. 12 people. And people are like, you know what? It's literally just me or, you know, I am the development department. So that's part of the reason I wanted to have you on today, Rhea, to just talk a little bit about your observations of small to medium sized nonprofits in talking and thinking about corporate partnerships. So maybe start out by telling us a few of the observations you've had um, in your work at your own nonprofit and then as a consultant um, as it relates to that size organization and corporate partnerships. Megan, where do I even begin? I have so many <laughs> opinions about this. But Great, let's um, jump in. Yeah, so just to give you a little bit of context, when I first started at my organization, we were a $200,000 a year or more or less and then by the time I left 12 years later, we were under 3 million. So I'd nice. seen a lot of things. Thank you. Um, so generally a couple of things. Number one, I think in general, and it depends, but what I've seen trending in my work is that uh, corporate money doesn't make up a significant percentage of the overall revenue. So largely it's it looks like pretty heavily in foundation and individual. And in my organization, corporate made up somewhere from 10 to 15% given the year. So I think the question for most smaller nonprofits is what is your revenue makeup? And I would also say that for a small fundraising department of one or two, really pick 
uh, one revenue stream and figure out how to really double down. I mean, revenue diversification is always important. That's something that they should be thinking about longer term. But when you really think about where to spend your very limited resources, figure out which source is actually going to yield the most for you. Unfortunately for me, um, I never really was big enough. I mean, the biggest, I think my development department was three people uh, to really launch a very significant corporate fundraising strategy. And I think that's probably the case for a lot of smaller nonprofits. So let me explain with that. In my experience, and here in New York, of course, we're in the, (laughs) the capital of the world, right? Like, we have everyone and their mother has a has headquarters here in New York. And so I think corporate money is interesting because actually you would imagine that there's a lot of corporations who want to get engaged with nonprofits and CSR. What's interesting about that, though, is many corporations based in New York think of themselves as national or international organizations. And so they're really focused much more on a bigger footprint rather than giving to their backyard in New York City. So it's both a blessing and a curse. That being said, um, over the last 10 years, I think I've seen a rising trend of CSR. And, uh, you know, I love it and I hate it, right? I love it because when it works well, it can be fantastic. And I hate it because when it is terrible, it's terrible. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what I've seen, like, what, is, what does terrible look like? So what I've seen Yeah, I was going to say, is, maybe give us an example of each, right? Like, I mean, and it can be, it doesn't have to be super specific, but, you know play that out for us. Like what is, let's talk about terrible first. What is terrible? Terrible. Like? Yeah. So terrible looks like um, a, a company. And, and I would say particularly a company that is you know smaller, maybe newer to the CSR space. And they have a pretty specific idea about what CSR means to them. And they'll, they'll go to a small nonprofit and say like, oh, we love this cause. You know, we want to do this like very specific thing. We want to, uh, I don't know, like uh, stuff backpacks for kids for back to school. And we want like a hundred of our employees to come into the office on this one particular day for three hours, make it happen. And, you know, fundraisers see that and they see the money. And so they say yes. But what ends up happening is that they end up killing themselves trying to produce this very particular volunteer day for uh, for employees and uh, at a capacity that they are probably not prepared to manage. And it ends up being kind of a nightmare. So I think the best intentions are, you know, what's the phrase? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. (laughs) Um, So I think the question that a lot of small to medium nonprofits should really ask themselves is, you know, does this make sense in the context of my organization? And do we actually have the capacity to manage this process? Well, because the other thing is you want the employees to have a really positive experience. And so if you're not actually able to deliver on a really positive experience, it's actually, I would say, detrimental because they're going to walk away saying like, oh, well, that organization is really, yeah, yeah, really disorganized. That was a waste of my time. Mm -hmm. It is an opportunity to engage people in a deeper way. But if you actually can't deliver on that experience, then I would say maybe don't do it. Um, So can you deliver on the experience? Is it actually aligned with what you do, right? Because a lot of times... um, I remember once we had like employees who wanted to like mentor and engage with kids, but they could only do it like on a one day from like 12 to 4 p.m. And I was like, yeah, kids are in school. We are an after school program. Like I don't, I'm not not really sure like how it's going to work. Right. And so, um, so anyway, long story short, I think it's like 
really being honest with yourself about whether or not this is something that makes sense for your organization. Don't think about the money first. Think about like the fit and the mission. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash radio. My guest, Ria Wong, has a book recommendation for you called Fierce Conversations by Susan Scott. According to Ria, this is a practical and actionable guide to having the fierce and necessary conversations in our personal and professional lives. All of the results that we encounter are due to conversations that either did or didn't happen. And according to Ria, this book provides the tools to do it effectively and gracefully. You can download Fierce Conversations for free on Audible with your 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash cause talk radio. So tell us a little bit about like a good example of when this can work. Megan, it really just boils down to relationships, right? And so if you have a great relationship with the CSR contact and they have the kind of relationship where you can partner and be really honest about what you need and what's going to work and how to make it work with them, that's fantastic. So I I can think of one example. Um, We had a corporate partner who approached us initially uh, to do a backpack drive. So they, you know, around Thanksgiving, they wanted to collect money to like, you know, buy school supplies for kids, blah, blah, blah. It was fantastic. Um, and that worked out well for us because actually it wasn't a huge lift for us. And then it, it kind of grew from there and they were like, well, what else could we do? And so because we were really focused on helping our kids to prepare for uh, their first job interviews, they were able to loan us their space their employees volunteered as mock interviewers. And so we were able to really engage and grow that relationship in an organic way that made a lot of sense for us as an organization and what we do. Um, The other piece for us is that we developed a young professional board, like an associate board, because we recognized that a lot of the CSR strategies are driven by younger employees who want to engage in social good. And so, you know, and frankly, if you are the head leadership of a corporation, you don't have a ton of time to go to galas or go to volunteer events. And so what we found is by engaging some of the younger employees who do have that time, you know, before they get involved with lots of other, you know, maybe before maybe they like get married and have kids and um, get very involved in their careers, it's important to kind of hook them into a charity early on. And so based on this young professional board, they were able to bring their employee employers, you know, they uh, purchased tickets to a gala via their employer. They then brought their colleagues to be at the table. Their colleagues then signed up to volunteer. So again, I think there are some strategies, especially in thinking about how to engage millennials who will go on to other bigger careers, hopefully. Um, so I guess the takeaway is, you know, be, be circumspect about the opportunities that you do take on because not all of them are good opportunities. And, um, and I would say this, like, there's some opportunities that are just too expensive for us. So talk a little bit more about a junior board. So you're saying that let's say you're a small to medium sized nonprofit organization, you have some, you know, corporate friends somewhere. Um, Mm -hmm. And you want to engage some junior folks. So you, I mean, what you did was create, did you actually do this? Did you create a, yep. an actual junior board? And we what did. were the roles and responsibilities of that board other than just kind of looping them into the things that you were doing? Did they actually have a um, a mission or is it just, was it a little yeah. bit more of a title and something to kind of bestow upon them? 
you know, I won't say that it didn't take some management on our on our staff's mm-hmm. part, right? So it's like no, nothing is free in this world. Exactly. Um, what was interesting about it is it really started because we had some of our board members who were, you know, senior in their corporation say like, oh, you know, I had this protege or I have this, you know, a couple of young staff members that are interested in getting more involved. What can we do? And it was like, oh, well, we should create this opportunity. Um, and so uh, it started pretty organically. It was a number of young people who were like fairly early on in their career who were connected to big firms like Goldman Sachs and uh, law firms and so forth who came together. And, you know, on the, in the beginning, it was, it was a pretty, um, it was a pretty loose affiliation. It was like, okay, we expect a $2,500 give get. Um, we expect you to participate in helping to organize one fundraiser this year. And we expect five hours of volunteer. And over time, they started to self-manage, but certainly <laughs> certainly, it took us a little while to get to that point. Um, but what was really great about it was that they were bringing their networks in, and hopefully these were folks that we could get engaged early enough in their career. So as they got on, they would start to think about us. And then the other great thing about it is we had them host um, things like career days at their place of work. And so our kids could then go to their places of work and then get seen by their higher ups. And so it was a really nice synergy of, you know, engaging the younger employees, but then giving the younger employees an opportunity to show their higher ups that they were engaged in the community and then possibly also getting some face time with their higher ups uh, to get involved in a more substantial way. I think that's actually really brilliant because as you have alluded to multiple times, Ria, so far already in this conversation, a lot of what companies are looking for is to engage their employees. And the, you know, millennial employees in particular, you know, everyone knows that this is kind of a motivating passion point of theirs is to have purpose in their job, but not every job can create that for them. So I really love this idea of a junior board because you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. Like you are getting, you know, you might not be getting millions of dollars from that company, but you're providing that company with value in engaging their younger professionals. You're giving them something meaningful to do and a way to make a difference. You're spreading your own brand awareness amongst, you know, the powers that be in that organization. It's almost sounding to me like it It seems to me like your approach with uh, with companies has more to do with building your brand and building awareness than rather, you know, rather than trying to collect millions of dollars out of the gates from a company. Yeah, that's right. I mean, look, at the end of the day, unless you have a very big brand like the United Way, I I don't think that it's realistic to expect that you're going to be collecting millions of dollars from corporate sponsorships. I mean, that being said, there are opportunities to do it. Like, for example, if you have a gala, it's always nice to have a corporate sponsor. Sure. Um, but that's a more traditional have. sponsorship play, right? Like that's yeah. something that I, I don't know. Have you found that um, those types of more traditional sponsorships are still robust in a small to medium sized nonprofit? Or do you feel like the companies are pulling back a little bit and saying like, well, you know, we're not giving as much to our local charity partners because we're being more strategic with our giving overall? Like, are you finding that or is it still a robust source of funds for? Small yeah. Organizations. Well, I mean, I'll tell you, Megan, bottom line is, so I've heard the term like, oh, well, we're rethinking our strategy yes. like a bajillion times, right? <laughs> At the end of the day, 
the strategy is driven by the people in charge. So if you can get the people in charge to say like, this is the thing that we're doing this year, this is the charity we're supporting, then all of a sudden, it's amazing how that strategy aligns to what it is you do. And so at the end of the day, I mean, yes, like I think that that there is corporate strategy, but I think that corporate strategy can be um, very heavily influenced by people in charge. So well, um, and again, going back to that, what you were saying earlier, like if you're providing value, if there's if you're providing something that the company wants or needs, like employee engagement, skilled volunteerism opportunities and a junior board. I mean, that's that looks a little bit different than like write me a ten thousand dollar check for our gala. Right. It's just a different it's a different approach. Well, the other thing is, and I and I really stress this with small to medium nonprofits is be really explicit about what your value add is and be easy to do business with. So I know that it's very overwhelming to be in a small nonprofit, but, you know, I think we, the folks in corporate have some preconceived notions about what nonprofit people are like. And when you do things like you, like not returning phone calls within 24 hours (laughs) or not finding the emails within 12 hours, I think it reinforces some stereotypes. Um, And I also think being really clear about like, what are the opportunities and how do folks engage and being um, easy to work with goes a long way towards corporate partnerships. I can imagine as an executive director, um, you get pressure from a board about involving corporations like, oh, that lift roundup and donate thing. We should be on that. You know, there's a lot of mm-hmm. and that happens at any level of nonprofit organizations, just board mm-hmm. pressure. Like, why aren't we doing the, you know, blah, 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 latest company? You know, why aren't we a part of that? You guys should go out and, and get us on that, whatever. Um What do you say to that? What do you say to board members when they come up with these? They see something in the marketplace. They're asked to donate at the register at Safeway. And then they come back and they're like, why aren't we? Why aren't they collecting donations for us at Safeway? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorite uh, stories about, aside from the ice bucket challenge, like all my board members that for a hot second. Um, The other one was there was some big company here in New York that was like, it was like some silly thing where it's like, oh, if you like post something and like have X number of likes and tag us, then yes, we'll yes, like give yeah. a whatever. And one of my board members was like, well, why don't we just have like our staff members sit there and just like continue like click. And I was like, <laughs> do you think that that is the best use of my staff's time to sit and click <sighs> likes about them? Also, that's not possible. They track yeah, you can't just music. keep clicking like on the same profile. That's yeah. Funny. I'm, I'm, I, I like, don't know about yeah. you, Ria, but I'm very happy that those have mostly gone away. Remember the whole Facebook contests? I I know, I know. I was <laughs> that board member. I was like, let me explain to you how the internet works. Like, <laughs> um, but uh, so that being said, I would say with respect to board members and their brilliant ideas, no is a complete sentence, and. Actually, I practice yes, no, yes, which is, yes, that is a really interesting idea and good for you for the give it. Like, I don't want to shut anybody down. No, that's not going to work because it's like not in our strategy this year. But if you can com- like give me some compelling reasons and numbers that could convince us that we should devote our resources that way, like, let's talk about it. Because I, I think part of it too goes back to planning. If you have a tight, fundraising plan for the year and you understand what you're doing, how you're doing it and what resources you're putting behind it, it makes it much easier to keep from like chasing the rabbits. You know, I always talk about like, don't chase the rabbits, chase the elephant. 
And so, and I think a lot of these things are, are rabbit holes that you can end up going down and end up like spending a ton of time and making $200. Um, and then, so yes, no, yes, yes. Great idea. No, we're not going to do it. And, or, okay, if we do this, what of the other things that we have planned, should we stop doing? Yep. Right. Cause I yep. also think board members don't necessarily know the whole you know, the whole universe of things that you are right, doing. And, right. and so they think it's just more and more and more. It's like, well, okay, fine. We can do this uh, random Safeway thing <laughs> if you want. But then what of this list should we, like, so do you not want to send out an annual appeal this year? Like, mm-hmm. you explain to the board that that's the strategy that we're going to pursue and I'd be happy to do it. And then yes, which is, that's an interesting idea. If this is something worth doing for next year, why don't we talk about it? Like, can you come with some more research? Can you, board member, mm-hmm. with your brilliant idea, mm-hmm. come to me with some ideas about how we might implement that? Well, I will say from the... I mean, I've been on a board of a small nonprofit organization here locally. And I will say that I definitely came to the table with a lot of ideas, just just as like to have ideas, not necessarily that I thought they were good ideas or that... I thought they should be implemented, but just as like a conversation point, like, hey, what about this? Let's talk about this. I like I wouldn't have gotten personally offended if they had said uh, yes, no, yes, or that's a great idea. Let's put it on the list for next year. Like, I I don't know. You know, I I think you have to have a pretty big ego to come to the table with an idea that you think is like the thing that you have to implement and, you know, not take the feedback from the organization. But I do think I felt like I got yes a lot at that organization. Like, oh, that's a great idea. We should look into that and do that. And part of me was thinking like, well, I I didn't actually think it was a great idea. I just thought we should talk about something like that. Um, So I think it's, you know, I think it's important that, you know, to remember that for no is a full sentence and it's fine to say it. And just because somebody comes with an idea, you know, and to your point, kicking it back to the board member to do additional work, like nine times out of 10, they're not going to do anything. (laughs) Um, I used to say ideas are like assholes. Everyone has one and most of them stink. (laughs) (laughs) You know, ideas are a dime a dozen. Show me the money and, and show me that it's actually worth my time. Right. Like I can remember, especially in the early days, being a younger ED and not being as comfortable pushing back on my board and spending like an inordinate amount of time. I was actually thinking about it the other day. Like th- there was some board member who wanted to do a gene, like she was involved with like some like fancy gene company. And so we were going to get some of the proceeds of genes that were going to be for sale at this pop-up shop. Uh, guess how many genes we sold? Uh, zero. And guess you had to sit there all night and like oh, try no. to get people. I know it was, it was a disaster. And I was like, what is happening here? So, you know, live and learn. But I, I think like not every idea is a good one. And I think again, given the busy nonprofit executives world, like be very careful about where you're spending your resources because every yes you do means they're saying no to something else. Let's talk about that for a minute in terms of the, um, you know, portion of the proceeds type thing, which that language I cannot stand, but, you know, just as a general concept. So I think, and again, just in my experience with local nonprofits sitting on boards, I think that's a something you get approached with a lot as a nonprofit. Like, mm-hmm. hey, we're going to sell our tchotchke and give you a dollar from, you know, what, you know, the sale of it mm-hmm. for a day or for, you know, the month. I just saw one um, for the our local YWCA and it was like, you know, whoever's nonprofit comments the most is going to get a portion of the revenues for the month of November. And they actually yep. won, which was great because mm-hmm. I'm, a, you know, 
I'm I'm happy, but I don't know how much you know time and effort they had to spend, and now yep. I have to go buy that thing because. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, I mean, totally. what do you do? What are the questions you should be asking if somebody, if a company, you know, and probably in very well intentioned comes and says like, "Hey, we want to give you a dollar from every ice cream sundae we sell this week." What do you say? What are the questions you need to ask to make sure that it's you know something a little bit more passive versus something you're going to be sitting at a pop-up shop and not selling any jeans. Yeah. God, you say (laughs) jeans and I have like PTSD. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there are a couple of things I, you know, have you ever done this before? (laughs) It's certainly a big one. That's a good one. Um, And if you have, how much money have you generated? Mm -hmm. Uh, What are you expecting from us as a nonprofit? So like the thing that really bothers me is when uh, companies approach nonprofits to do this and well-intentioned certainly, but also expecting a nonprofit to market their business. I'm like, no, 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 no. Right. Like, as a nonprofit, well, you and there's need- some, yeah, some considerations there too, in terms of EBIT. Yeah. 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 And, and of course too, like also see if it makes sense for your brand. Um, and, you know, and I mean, I, I would just be very careful about making the commitments and being super clear with with whoever is approaching you uh, what you can and cannot do. So if you are a staff of, say, two folks in a small development office and they're expecting you to, like, you know, produce a bunch of content, produce a bunch of decks, show up here, there and whatever, you know, market it to your donor base, yada, 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 then I would say that's probably not going to be a good fit for you. So I, I don't know that there's a one size fits all answer to this other than like, be sure that it's going to benefit you in ways that are tangible and that are, um, frankly, that you can measure, right? So mm. measure in money, measure in influence, measure in additional people on your mailing list. Um, but don't just say yes because someone thinks it's a good idea. Well, Rhea, this has been so fantastic. You are also a fellow podcaster. So I want to give you a I moment am. to uh, do a little shout out. Tell us what your podcast is about and where people can find it and find you online if they want to do that. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much. So it's called Nonprofit Lowdown and it's actually designed for the smaller nonprofits. So Yay. again, small to mediums. So folks out there on your pod who are listening who are looking for that. And it's the business of nonprofits. So we cover everything from fundraising to marketing to board governance to, um, I don't know, what else do we have? Uh, general leadership principles, DEI. It's a little bit, a little potpourri of everything. So head on over to Nonprofit Lowdown. Thank you again, Ria, for joining us on Cause Talk Radio. And I will look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you so much, Megan. So fun. 